and welcome to the hearing. I'm John. And from Chicago's north side, I'm Scotto. And just a few things to get out of the way before we get to this week's album. Cheap plug time. I have <laughs> released two new singles recently, uh, Apparitions and And Then. Um, both of them available everywhere. The link's in the description from my Spotify, YouTube, and uh, Bandcamp. I also finally released my first cover in over a year. Um, I did Let's Go All the Way by Sly Fox. Wow. (laughs) I did not see that on your YouTube. (laughs) I'm pretty happy with it. It works nicely on ukulele. Yeah. And I did a live version, live from home, I'm calling it, of in then. Yeah. Um, I've decided I'm not going to be doing any more uh, albums or EPs. It's just uh, going to be individual songs from now on. As, as much as we're doing a show reviewing albums, yeah, the album's pretty much seen its day, hasn't it? Plenty of people are doing albums, but I don't listen to them, and I don't have thematic connections for them. I write yeah. individual songs. I listen to individual songs. And doing an individual doing individual songs has me a lot more motivated I was procrastinating working on an album since July and dreading it. I've done two song, two new songs on a whim. Like, in both cases, a Saturday night, I step away to use the restroom, and while I'm in there, I'm thinking, I think I'm just going to try to record the song. <laughs> I come back and do it. And so. I record on a Saturday night. It's on Spotify on Monday, and... I get the same amount of dopamine whether it's one song or an album. So this is keeping me motivated. And I guess you can look back and, and try and put them together if you see a theme running through them. If someone wants to do a playlist, go right ahead. Um, also, it feeds the YouTube algorithm because I'm looking to put out an al- uh, something every week, uh, a new song. Yeah. Probably a new single every two or three weeks mixed with covers and live from home versions. And the live from homes aren't going to be just be the new song. I'm also going to do all some older stuff. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'm not going to plug them every time on here because that'd be an every week thing. <laughs> it is kind of the future of the music industry, though. I mean, the right. more and more artists are moving in that direction. Right. So, you know, links in the show notes for my YouTube, Bandcamp, and Spotify, like I said. So if you want to keep an eye on anything, check it out. A few things from other people I wanted to plug. I recently listened to the audiobook of Getty Lee's memoir, My Effin' Life. (laughs) Highly recommend it, uh, particularly if you're a Rush fan, of course. Um, Really interesting. Um, I got very emotional when he talked about Neil's death, because... The dude was like my biggest influence as a writer. Yeah. Um, also, uh, did they announce who they were touring with? I think Matt Cameron has the job. Wow. Because he played on Getty's solo album. No shit. You did know he played on Getty's solo album, right? No. Yeah. Um, he's been working with basically anything Getty does outside of Rush. It's usually Matt Cameron and Ben I- Mink. I, I just don't know if I pick, I mean I know he's a, a really good drummer and everything. I just don't know if I picture him playing Rush. <laughs> Given what he did on the album, I think he could pull it off. I mean yeah. no one can really do that, but 
Yeah. If anyone can come close, it's him and Mike Portnoy. And I don't, I don't hear Mike Portnoy's name in the mix. I, I don't know if it's officially um, him, but I, I put money on it. Yeah. Um, I just hope they don't use the name Rush. No, they're, I don't think they're going to. It's mm-hmm. just Getty and Alex wanting to. And I'm perfectly happy for the two of them to keep making music together. Very, very yeah. happy for that. Just don't call it Rush. Um, right. Jasmine Rogers has a new album out, uh, Dark Tides. It was a collaboration with cellist Danny Keene, who played on some songs on uh, um, Blood Red Sun, which we reviewed. Um, th- I think three or four new songs, two songs from Blood Red Sun, the title track, and Follow Me, my pick for favorites, and two singles that she had released, The Tempest and uh, Flies. Uh, seven tracks in total. Um, oh, so it's three new ones. Um, really great stuff. Just basically live performances, guitar, cello, little bit of uh percussion freeze pop put out a new album called fog it's techno <laughs> which is interesting because i never really understood the difference before okay um the vocals are much more of a texture um used very sparingly compared to most of their stuff it's not as melodic much more repetitive um much more oriented toward dance um Personally, I prefer their their usual dance pop stuff, but it's interesting. Um, On to two artists we haven't reviewed. Um, New album called I Kept These Old Blues by Murren Bradley. That's M-U-I-R-E-A-N-N Bradley. She's Irish. Um, Old school acoustic blues and ragtime. She's a singer and guitarist. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Just vocals and acoustic guitar. Okay. Um, circulating on YouTube, there's a cover she did of When the Levee Breaks, the original, not the Zeppelin song. Oh, wow. Fucking nails it. Um, <laughs> and finally, an album we talked about, I think, in one of our last episodes, New Blue Sun by Andre 3000, <laughs> the flute album. I, I started on it and never came back to it, honestly. <laughs> it's free jazz. Yeah. It's it's just nothing composed, I don't think. Um, it sounds like it's fully improvisational, and it's whatever the players want you to play in the moment. Um, there's no conventional rhythm or harmony. Um, the description I put out when I first heard it was, it sounds like the soundtrack to an experimental 70s science fiction film. <laughs> I love it, but... It's not something I'm going to listen to like on the daily. It's great for <laughs> meditating and just kind of relaxing. Um, if that's your sort of thing, you know, you I'm have to be into this kind of music to, to enjoy it. There, there was another hip hop star from like the early, you know, 2000s mm-hmm. that's doing some sort of, uh, I want to say little, little Wayne or little John or one of those guys uh-huh. that, they're doing like a sort of like a meditation kind of thing too. Okay. <laughs> it's like hip hop's in a very weird place right now. <laughs> like you expect this sort of thing from Andre 3000 though. What do you though? <laughs> Cause he's gone in so many weird directions and has so many diverse influences. I, I don't know. I don't know if you expect that of Andre 3000. <laughs> or, or more to the point. 
there's nothing I wouldn't expect from him at this point, <laughs> even before this. Like, I, I read the news about Dupuisan and was like, yes, of course he's doing this. <laughs> All right. It didn't surprise me. And finally, on to this week's album, which is from 1983, Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Stevie Ray Vaughan was an American guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter from Dallas, Texas, who was best known as the frontman for his band, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. They released four albums over the course of six years, and in that time, Vaughan came to be considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time. In addition to his work with Double Trouble, he recorded the album Family Style with his brother Jimmy Vaughan, guitarist for the Fabulous Thunderbirds. In 91, a year after Stevie passed away, the album The Sky is Crying was released, consisting of previously unreleased songs that he had recorded with Double Trouble. Texas Flood is the band's debut studio album. It was recorded in the space of three days, (laughs) which is mind-blowing, at Jackson Brown's personal recording studio in L.A. Bassist Tommy Shannon recalls the sessions, quote, it was really just a big warehouse with concrete floors and some rugs thrown down. We just found a little corner set up in a circle looking at and listening to each other and played like a live band. And I think I had to reread this sentence I don't know how many times while I'm listening to it. There there were no overdubs. No. There's no uh, overdub rhythm guitar. There's just one guitar track. Does he have an extra hand or something? I will get into that because I was listening very, very closely. Okay, what was all right. In this case. Um, or he's an alien. That's the other thing. I've always respected Tommy Shannon. Now he's my fucking hero. <laughs> what? Texas Flood was released on June 13th, 1983 on Epic Records and produced by Stevie Avon and Double Trouble and Richard Mullen and features Stevie Ray Vaughan on guitar and vocals, Tommy Shannon on bass guitar, and Chris Layton on drums. Reminder, I don't edit any songs to or into our reads for copyright reasons, but on our blog at johnandskyler.wordpress.com, you'll find links to Texas Flood on Spotify and YouTube, so you can follow along if you'd like. Track one, Love Struck Baby. This is the height of the rockabilly craze in the early 80s. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. And this is, of course... So much better than the rockability stuff that was popular at the yeah. time. I'm looking at you, Stray Cats. Yeah, I like the Stray Cats, but I agree. Um, although, <laughs> interesting calling it rockability. Yeah, it kind of does lean that way. Um, this this very track very much is. There are so many great guitar tones on this album. I don't think of Stevie as having as much variation. Or I didn't think of him as having much as much variation in tone as I did when I really listened to this album. Um, yeah. Loved the triplets on the snare. Great walking bass line. Like I mentioned, there's no rhythm guitar overdubs. Tommy Shannon fills the space incredibly well. So, wait. So it's not just Stevie playing some of these parts. It's Shannon playing some parts on bass, but they sound like a rhythm guitar? It's it's the interplay between, I think it's mostly the bass and the hi-hat. They yeah. kind of match into... There's a tonal thing when you put them together, and it fills that mid-range out. Um, also, love those high chord stabs during the solo. But yeah, Tommy did some beautiful playing, and and the way they mic'd the cymbals and hi hats as well was a factor. Um, but there is no second guitar. 
<laughs> at no point do you hear two guitars being played at one time. Right. <laughs> On to track two, Pride and Joy. This one has a great throaty tone. Few things can beat the sound of a Stratocaster being played through a Dumbo amplifier. Just, just imagine the way it starts. Just that, I mean... <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and of course it's blues, but during the verse, there's kind of this weird reggae beat going where he's taking these quick short stabs and kind of that yeah. rhythmic reggae way. I well, mean, he, it doesn't he sound he like reggae He does it on another song that I have it noted on. Um, but I love that Stevie is ahead of the beat and Leighton is a little bit behind and Tommy is right in the middle. It just creates this great push and pull. And then in the chorus, he takes that same what was a reggae beat and then it becomes a country song. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of led through three different genres all at the same time. Almost. And that's, you mentioned country, that's Texas blues. Yes. Texas blues is blues fused with country. Right. Or more to the so point, you, Western, uh, if you, you want to get into the blues brother reference. And then it's kind of, I'm, you know, couldn't quite put my finger on like, what makes this so odd. And then I'm listening to him like, wait a minute. He's playing reggae, but it's not like through the normal reggae tones of the guitar. He's mm-hmm. playing it, <laughs> uh, you know, in a blues-tuned guitar, country-tuned guitar. And when you say playing reggae, he's really just stabbing the upbeats. Yes. Which is where you put the emphasis in reggae. Um, right, exactly. I love the and counter... the guitar solo happens. Jesus yeah. Christ. And I love the <laughs> counterpoint that Tommy plays during that. It really does fill the space nicely. Yeah. I'm going to say something a bit controversial here. Um, what? Well, I think I'm a little bit controversial. He thinks so much praise on Tommy Shannon. Because him and Chris Layton, I absolutely love. They play very simply, but perfectly for the song. Players like yeah. that don't get a lot of love. But the thing I'm really going to say... I mentioned in the intro, Stevie's considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time. He was a hell of a player, but I can't say one of the greatest of all time. Because the Jimmy influence is just too obvious. It was funny that uh, Hendrix or his brother, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the the two actually have history. Uh, Jimmy Hendrix and Jimmy Vaughn. So much so like that one lent the other the wa- their wah-wah pedal right, and right. <laughs> broke it. And... <laughs> but Stevie borrows so much from Jimmy that I can't say he's one of the greatest on his own. I think to be considered one of the greatest, you have to have a wide enough mix of influences that nobody in particular can be pulled out. But like 75% of what Stevie did was Jimmy. Oh man, though it just he did so, it really like, well. But it was the solo, though, was uh, <laughs> like one of those solos where I thought, "Did he have a extra hand here? <laughs> How is he doing this?" And I, if you've ever seen him alive, I've never seen him never saw him in person, but I've seen plenty of footage. Yeah, um, he would play some of this shit with the guitar behind his back while singing. <laughs> That is kind of the crazy thing. Yeah. He did this while singing for the most part. I mean, he did hire a rhythm guitarist or had Jimmy Vaughn uh-huh. brought in to because to, he got tired of singing and playing at the same time. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. He pulled a BB. Yeah. Interesting. 
but uh, I, I mean, of course, in the end, you know, you don't mm-hmm. fly out of Wisconsin. That's uh, the moral of the mm-hmm. story. Edmund Otis. Come on, John, there's a hairdresser on there. Um, mm. Dennis Leary reference. If you get it, you get it. <laughs> Track three, Texas Flood. This one was originally recorded by Larry Davis in 1958 and co-written by Davis and Joseph Wade Scott. This is a nice spot for a slower song. Really nice crystalline guitar tone. And I uh, love the thick, punchy bass tone. I just have no overdubs, quote-unquote, nope. Wikipedia. <laughs> How the fuck did he play this? And I love how... And this is a very small thing, but in Chris Layton's hands, it's worth mentioning. I love how the hi-hat sits in the mix. Because that's a lot of what makes you think there's another guitar there. Okay. He's yeah, right on the I bell. See that? It's um, an illusion. Yeah. It's it's um, psychoacoustics, basically. Yeah. Um, this one has a great vocal. Uh, the ballad really shows off his voice. But at this point, I got to say, and I think this continued, Tommy Shannon's my, my all-star, my MVP. <laughs> Um, love how punctuated the bass attack is. Um, there's a nice little run when the solo starts. Um, the solo tone is so pretty, it almost sounds like a slide. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that whole, like, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder saying, you know, make me cry, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guitar. Like, he, he's definitely a, a player that could do that. He Like, the soundscapes he's creating in these mm-hmm. with just kind of almost alone you know yeah. like you could just isolate that guitar and it's still this crazy soundscape and of course he's got these other two great players with them yeah. to help him out track four tell me this one was orig- written and originally recorded by helen wolf in 1960 love how staccato and punchy the guitar part is great groove nice sparse rhythm guitar part um Love the forceful vocal. And this is another point where the cymbal makes it sound like a second guitar. There's a delay on the, the ride. Um, he's like okay. just on the edge of the bell. So it, it kind of, it doesn't quite have that ringing sound, but it's a little crisper and you put a little delay on it. It doesn't, it, it does sound like another like melodic instrument. You could have given me, I don't know how many guesses to say, to, uh, you know, of who wrote the song. I would never mm-hmm. have guessed howling wolf if he hadn't told me because i'm used to you know some more screaming and yelling (laughs) sucks but he doesn't do that vocally he kind of he he does his own thing Mm -hmm. although this is really aggressive vocal for stevie yeah track five testify written and originally recorded by the isley brothers in 64 this version's an instrumental but the original had lyrics and I think I'm picking for this one for my strongest. Uh, just, I mean, there was no need for vocals on this one because <laughs> he just let the guitar sing for him. Great groove. Uh, I love how he di- adapted the original vocal melody for a guitar. Great, <laughs> thick, muscly lead tone. Tommy plays a really great counterpoint on this one. I love how the fills are worked into the drum parts. Like, they almost sound, they don't sound like fills. They sound like... Like that's just part of the range drum line. Yeah. Um, love how the ride sits in the mix. The wah wah bit in the solo was very, very Jimmy. Um, 
And there's some really nice drum fills at the end. Track six, Rude Mood. My one criticism of the album overall, um, I wish they hadn't put two instrumentals back to back. It <laughs> well, you see, though, did th- get that, a little was, numbing. that was the end of the first side. Oh. And this is the beginning of the second okay. side. Okay. Yeah. I forget <laughs> thinking about uh, sides. And, um, and yeah, I kind of felt that way too the first few listens. And then when I came in and saw like the track listing, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's why he did that. If you're rearranging it for digital era, I would put this one at the top. I still think they should have put this one at the top. Like you introduce Stevie with this, with Rude Mood. Mm. I mean, this is probably the second, you know, the song I was second most familiar with on this album. Of course, uh-huh. the first one being Pride and Joy. And uh, and maybe I should have made that one my strongest, mm. but no, uh, I'll stick with Testify. Uh-huh. Um, another great example of Rockabilly. Yeah. I love that he's unaccompanied for so long at the beginning. It's just his guitar. Yeah. Um, it's got this great cash-like train groove. Yes. Love how playful some of the leads are. Um, great, clear guitar tone in the solos. Um, nice chordal stabs toward the middle. Track seven, Mary Had a Little Lamb, written and originally recorded by Buddy Guy in 1968. This is my pick for weakest. I like his the vocal performance on this, actually. Um, it's a nice soft vocal, which is unusual for Stevie. Um, right. It's got a good groove, um, but it's just silly subject matter that I really don't think <laughs> gives him enough to sink his teeth into vocally. Solo meanders. Um, I do like the riffing at the beginning, though. It makes you feel like you're hearing something dirty or a confession of some sort. <laughs> Track 8, Dirty Fool. This is my pick for favorite. Great slow groove. Great atmosphere. Love those dramatic, quickly strummed chords all the way through, even in the solo. Yeah, it's. I, I, I definitely agree this is one of the stronger tracks on the album. Uh, I mean, you think you're going to hear this some normal down-tempo blues song, and then he starts playing this insane flamenco-style uh-huh. solo at like this crazy speed. I have a note to look up a live version because I got to see him playing those chords and singing at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I want to I hear this live and see him do this live. It may be the best vocal on the album. And really, if you, you pay close enough attention to that guitar, it really could make your brain explode. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, it feels like a physics student could write a dissertation on it. <laughs> like, how is he doing that? I know what he was doing. Not saying I could do it for more than, a, you know, five seconds. But... It's like, I knew what Jackie Chan was doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no I, way I'd be able I to actually do it. play guitar. I yeah. know tech, really on a technical level what he's doing. But... The speed and the smoothness that he does it with is just yes. kind of mind-blowing. That is always what it's been about. It's just been about that physical ability to play. Mm-hmm. Track nine, I'm Crying. Another great shuffle. It's my pick for weakest. Love how the rhythm guitar hits on the upbeats on this one, too. Um, there may be a little bit too much reverb on the drums. Uh, great bass run at the top of the solo. Overall, it's a perfectly cromulent album track. Uh, I mean, I, the reason why I'm picking it for week is it, it's a good song, but we've already heard Pride and Joy, and mm-hmm. it's pretty much the exact same song. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> this is the good thing about not doing albums or EPs. No album tracks. <laughs> and not not the good album tracks. I mean, the ones that are filler. And this is obvious. Yeah, this is obviously a filler because yeah. it was just well, and it's the position where you do put those filler tracks a lot right. of the times, the second to last, uh-huh. um, just to cover some space. He knew he had really strong tracks on either side of it. Yeah. So he just go, okay, we'll crowbar it in here. But yeah, why duplicate Pride and Joy so much? I mean, the melody is identical. <laughs> I'm willing to bet they just wanted one more song and he yeah. had it sitting around. So they used it. And finally, track 10, Lenny. This one was written for and named after Vaughn's wife at the time, Lenora. Yeah. Great closer. Love the glassy guitar tone. Yeah. Another one that's very, very Jimmy. <laughs> and honestly, this is the first time the bass really stands out for me. Uh-huh. Like, normally he's playing so folded in with, with everything else that's going on, but it, it feels like they let him wander a bit more on this one. Yeah, this is really nice bass melody during the solo. Um, great snare sound. Probably because Stevie's playing such a light, you know, yeah, sound yeah. on that. If you're not listening for the bass, yeah, because he's not really throwing a lot of force into the guitar, you can hear it right. Um Love some of those low leads followed by the piercing high part. And I usually complain about noodling solos, but there's some really nice noodling toward the end. <laughs> I think I think Stevie gets the pass <laughs> for yeah. noodling. Because there's usually something interesting going on in there that he's doing. And it's probably something he's played so many times that it's not just an improvisation. Right, right. So do you recommend it? Definitely. It was a treat to come back to this. Uh, I was more familiar with his later stuff and family style. But yeah, this was really good to hear. Yeah, I recommend it too, but maybe not mostly for Stevie. (laughs) That's it for Texas Flood. Until next time, we'll be reviewing Kick Out the Jams by MC5 as a tribute to the late, great Wayne Kramer. Until then, of course, always remember, never forget, wherever you go in life, there you are. There you are. (laughs) 